0: In the Reef is back here on Teal Town USA to highlight the San Jose Barracuda during the 2021 season. Now, a lot has changed in this world in our 13-month hiatus since we last brought you a show, and there is a lot going on this very minute with the San Jose Sharks organization, so there's no better time to dive in the reef. Welcome back to In the Reef, folks. I'm Kevin Lacey for Teal Town USA. Happy to be bringing you this show once again. If you last saw, we had episode 5 back in December 2019. And if you were wondering, uh, did I miss a few episodes? Because this one's 2021, January 31st, 2021. Uh, No, this is episode 6. And there's nothing to be concerned about. I did not thankfully have any health issues it was just uh i had a lot of work priorities that took up most of my time still uh, still i am taking still are taking my time but i'm really happy and excited to be bringing this show to you nick nolenberger who is of course the voice of the san jose barracuda was scheduled to be on the show with me here today Uh, Unfortunately, there were some scheduling conflicts. Uh, Go figure, that the time that I'm available is the one time he's not. Um, But Nick, uh, we tried to do a show earlier in the week. Kind of glad we didn't because there's a lot going on now here. Uh, This was a scheduled recording, um, but boy oh boy, let's dive right in. So last night, on Saturday evening, the San Jose Barracuda were taking on the Henderson Silver Knights, the new affiliate of the Vegas Golden Knights. I bet you couldn't figure that one out. Um, and after two periods, the Barracuda were losing one to nothing, and then the game was called as the skaters came out to warm up for the third period. Um, the Knights all emptied their locker room and, and came out, and only about half or so from what I've heard of the Barracuda players came out for warm-up at that point. It almost seemed like a Mighty Ducks situation where uh, only Fulton Reed and Charlie Conway came out for the Ducks and then they forfeited. I don't know if the Barracuda forfeited per se, but the officials all gathered, talked to both benches, and the announcement was made that this game is over. I don't know if it counts for Henderson as a one nothing win. I guess it really doesn't matter because right now it is preseason. The Barracuda have more or less played six games in the preseason. Now the reason for the pause. Uh, one of the San Jose Barracuda players tested positive for COVID-19. So a very serious situation with a lot of moving parts. Unfortunately, a lot of moving parts. And... Uh, I don't we don't have a whole lot of info but I'm gonna try and uh, give you my thoughts and and uh, look at it from a a few different angles Uh, because all we can do right now I hate I hate speculating but that's all we can really do right now because this is a very fresh story now the San Jose Barracuda did announce right around noon here on Sunday that the next several days there will be no team activities. That means that to the, that Monday's game against Tucson is, they phrased it as postponed, but the preseason is mostly over at this point. It was scheduled to be the last game before the regular season began. So for all intents and purposes, I would say that game tomorrow monday sorry i'm gonna to say tomorrow because of the recording uh monday's game is canceled essentially now uh who is it we don't know that is not of any concern the fact is someone contracted the virus and we hope everyone stays safe uh we hope that whoever does have the virus is is treated well, can recover quickly, and hopefully is not suffering any uh, significant symptoms or symptoms at all. Um, I do know uh, people who have had the virus. I do know someone who has died from the virus. So uh, it is no joke. It is a real thing. Um, So now it has reached our Teal team locker rooms. And uh, that's, it's a very, very sad situation. So uh, after the game, just to kind of uh, wrap up what happened here. And by the way, this is a different setup for me than I'm used to. This is my daytime setup. So I have this microphone directly in front of me, and it's impairing my vision. So if I, if I kind of slide off to the right here for a little bit, it's because I'm trying to see the rest of my screen. Um, So anyway, uh, staff began cleaning the ice after the players left the, the ice, uh, area, uh, the staff began cleaning the actual ice, then also proceeded to clean the benches or at least the Barracuda bench. But I would imagine both benches would have been, uh, cleaned at that point. And then everyone went home. So, uh, that is courtesy of Fox five in the field. Uh, that is, um, A news outlet there in the Vegas area and uh, it has been announced that both Orleans Arena which is not where the game was played yesterday but that is the new home of the wow I'm mistaken here that is where the game was played yesterday sorry about that Uh, that is the home of the the Vegas the Henderson Silver Knights gonna take me a while to, to get that one under my tongue um, but Lifeguard Arena, which is their practice facility, has also been closed indefinitely. So uh, the Silver Knights are taking no precaution lightly in this situation. I think that's I think that's the right move to be made, especially when the parent club, the Vegas Golden Knights, right now is experiencing somewhat of an outbreak, as we know, the Sharks games against the Golden Knights. Uh, coming up here on Monday and Wednesday have been postponed because of an outbreak there so the very first thought that everyone had when uh, this game was called was uh, oh no someone from the Golden Knights got someone from the Silver Knights uh, gave them the virus but that's not the situation now here's here's the scary thought and this is where I kind of want to delve into different aspects of the situation and Yesterday, sorry, Friday, the San Jose Sharks assigned several players from their taxi squad and a couple players from their actual active roster to the Barracuda. All but one of those players played for the Barracuda yesterday, uh, Saturday, against the Silver Knights. So it is a situation where it could have been that Everyone was fine on the Barracuda for Friday's game against Henderson because they were playing in a back-to-back situation, and then one of the players who was assigned from the Sharks may have unknowingly had the virus, and perhaps they uh, exposed the Barracuda, the Silver Knights, etc. Um, officials, of course, uh, everyone, everyone involved. Um, so. I, the, again, that's theoretical. We don't know who it is. We don't. We'll get some more information, but who knows what uh, is actually transpiring here? And it's really not our business um, to to know that. So I'm. That's why I have to throw theories at you here. Now, the opposite end of that, and I, and I will get to rosters and and things of that nature. Um, more in depth here in a little bit. Um, but there were transactions going the opposite way as well. The barracuda assigned or the Sharks assigned Yosef Koronash and Curtis Gabriel from the barracuda to the Sharks. So you're also considering a situation where maybe it was one of the players who has been in Barracuda training camp these last few weeks. Perhaps it's one of them who had the virus, who perhaps Curtis Gabriel and Yosef Coronash had been exposed to, and now they are practicing with the Sharks. As far as I'm aware, the Sharks have uh, returned back to San Jose. They are practicing today, Sunday. Um, I would, um, 60, 40, perhaps think that Gabriel and Coronash are practicing with the team. I know for sure they joined the Sharks because they all, the Sharks traveled from Tucson back up to San Jose after playing in Minnesota earlier in the week. So they did travel, back to San Jose together. I don't know if Curtis Gabriel and Joseph Kornash are now in isolation as a precaution. I don't know if they're out on there. In fact, uh, that's that's one of the things about pre-recording these shows, well, even doing them live, but with this very active situation, it's it, it's possible that they are practicing um, or it's possible that an announcement has already been made that uh, they've been pulled. So uh, stick st- stay tuned to Twitter. Uh, You know someone who's been really active uh, on Twitter uh, Giving great updates a couple of people in particular but giving great updates have been Curtis Pashelka of the Mercury News and Sheng Peng of San Jose Hockey Now. So if you don't follow them, I highly recommend it especially if you're watching a Barracuda show so um, they do a great job of covering the Barracuda from a professional standpoint and uh, and they're worth the follow. You know, uh, we also are on Twitter, by the way, at Teal Town USA. Sorry for the uh, the quick plug here, real quick. But um, given that the we haven't done an in the reef for a very long time, that's why it's really important to subscribe to at Teal Town USA here on YouTube on your favorite podcatcher and find the bell or an alert uh, button. Turn those alerts on because since they these shows happen less frequently than say, Teal Town After Dark or The Pucknologists where these shows happen on a regular schedule. Um, This show in the reef uh, being a little bit more infrequent, it's really important to have these alerts turned on that way you never miss one of our future shows because there will be future shows and we're not gonna wait 13 months more to do it. So, um, but let's get back to uh, the situation in San Jose and 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 the roster here so the players that were assigned from the sharks on friday are john leonard jake middleton Joel chelman frederick handemark jeff vl nick melosh brinson Pashnuk, and alexi melnichuk plus rudy balsers was assigned to the barracuda on a conditioning assignment so uh if if Rudy Balsers, uh is fine, hopefully he is. But if you know that's that's a drag that he finally gets his visa issues cleared. He's allowed to to play for the organization, and there goes his conditioning assignment. And that's really there's good and bad uh, in terms of schedule. Well, in terms of the schedule and the timing, there's good and bad for the fact that a player has the virus. It's all bad and unfortunate, but. Um, we'll look. I want to look at some good to this in that the Sharks, obviously, with the two games that are canceled this upcoming week, uh, they have time. They can afford the time to stay away if they have to, in case it turns out some Sharks players were exposed or one of the Sharks players sent down was uh, the one who who has the virus um yeah it could it it, it, sorry i lost my train of thought that's where having a solo show really uh (laughs) but um, there is a benefit to it because the sharks won't be playing they will have time to recover if the if it's necessary the the barracuda now because uh, operations have been suspended for the next several days uh, who knows how the start of the preseason will go at this point Um, but suspended for several days so they are they now have time because um, their next game after the end of the preseason would not have been again uh, until Friday the 5th so they are also afforded time but from a Sharks perspective it sucks because the players were assigned to the Barracuda so that they could get playing time, get time in camp, these last few days of camp, because since the Sharks aren't playing, they basically all are on conditioning assignments, which is why you saw Leonard, Middleton, Chelman, Handemark, Viel, uh, Melnichuk. Um, they, uh, sorry, Chelman did not play. He was the one player who did not play yesterday. Uh, I guess we can roll out Joel Chelman as the player who has the virus because it was announced it's an active pl- a player who was in last night's lineup, so um, so mark him off uh, for what that's worth. Um, but the preseason game on Monday against Tucson is not happening. They The team is currently traveling back to Tucson right now. I do not know how the what what the step is for a player who tests positive uh, i don't think they're allowed to travel i know they're not allowed to travel with the team because the very first rule of the COVID 19 protocol is self-isolation 100 percent. so the player is in isolation as far as i would think still in henderson I wonder if, because maybe they're asymptomatic, I would think playing last night, uh, Saturday night, that they would be asymptomatic. I can't imagine that they would play with symptoms. Uh, That'd just be irresponsible. But um, I I, I don't think that's the situation at all. So let's hope that they are asymptomatic. Um, I don't know if, because of that, they're allowed to travel on their own to Tucson or to San Jose or to wherever. I don't know how that all works. I did look through the protocol uh, guidelines, but I couldn't come up with anything on that. I was asked that last night, um, but I don't have an answer for you there. So for now, we can only assume that the player is still in Henderson away from everyone. I know that they're away from everyone. Um, Now, uh, one of the common tweets that has come up has been how irresponsible of these teams to allow a player who tested positive to be in this game. Well, there is quite a bit to be made about the testing protocol uh, in terms of timing with the games. You want to have these tests done as close to the games as possible so that um, in a situation like this, if it turns out someone does test positive, you can pull them right away. Um, So you don't want to really go say it's a 5 a.m. test and they don't play the game until 7 p.m. that night um, that's a lot of time. It, it doesn't sound like a lot, but 14 hours is a lot of time between the test and the actual game. So I don't know what time, and I hate telling you guys I don't know, because I really do like to know. But I don't. I, I'm being honest here. I don't know what time the test was administered, but I imagine it was probably only a couple hours before the game. And these things are not instant. Uh, If the testing was instant, I think cases across the world would be dramatically dropped uh, and it would be a a far simpler world, but we're not at that stage right now. So uh, I commend the teams for saying, look, we tested a player. We tested all our players before the game. As soon as we found out even though it was during the game, we we have to pull them. We have to call this game. Everyone has potentially been exposed. We need to be precautious. Preseason or not, if this was a regular season game and this happened, this is exactly the situation that I would want them to, or you know, the, the protocol I would want them to use, which is end it, end it. That's it. It's over. We're done. We need to make sure everyone is safe. So the moment they found out, which was, I believe, at the end of the second period, maybe it was during intermission, doesn't really matter, but it happened before the start of the third period. They said, we have this te- positive test. We got to We got to call it right now. Doesn't matter if it's nine players or one player. On the side of caution, this game is over. So I, I think that people need to not take the rude approach. Uh, Because not everything needs to be cynical in the world. Um, Just say, hey, this is what happened. I guess you would like players to be tested maybe twice on a game day. I know that some sports leagues and institutions do do that. Not sure. Um, I don't think the NHL and AHL protocol is that. But I don't know. I don't know. But... Uh, someone tested positive and hopefully they are getting the treatment that they need hopefully everything is fine and hopefully it will not spread. Um, so not because so that games can resume just so that we can squash this thing and and continue on with our lives, our lives. So um, I'm 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 happy with how they handle the situation. Um, let's. Kinda. That's a lot about coronavirus here. Um, so, you know, stick to at Teal Town USA. F- follow me on Twitter at Kevin Lacey Twenty Two. Follow uh, Curtis Pishalka, Sheng Peng, uh, among other well-represented members of the media, um, so that you you know, if you, if you really want to know up to the latest. Uh, that's that's your best bet there. Um, but Let's talk about the actual preseason here. Um, the preseason was seven games, which blew my mind, because if you're not familiar with an AHL preseason schedule, most of the time it's only two games. There are a couple teams. I think Rochester, Rochester is one who plays 3 or 4. Wilkes-Barre Scranton usually plays 3 or 4 every year. That's the Penguins affiliate. Rochester is the Sabers affiliate. Um some teams don't play preseason games at all. So the fact that the Sharks said, "You know what? There's a lot of time between the end of NHL training camp and the start of the AHL regular season. 7 seems like a great number." So it just blew my mind. Um, but I, I think it's great because Norton, this might be the first time I have ever said this is great to have this many preseason games because you don't want these players to get cold. And when you're talking about taxi squads and uh, extended rosters for the NHL and trying to get a season through without, um, Enduring too much travel, you need to have those extra players on hand in case a situation like what's going on in Vegas uh, or what went on in Washington and what seems to be actively happening in uh, I think it was ah I have forgotten the team. There is an AHL team that canceled uh, their practice today. It's a it's a Eastern team, I believe. Um, canceled their practice out of concern. It might be Laval, so it might be a northern team. Uh, but anyway, uh, you get these situations where you don't want to be bringing players in, traveling, uh, f- especially from regions that may have more rampant, uh, widespread coronavirus cases. So, um, it's good to have those players on hand. So you're going to see a lot of shuffling uh, between the active roster and the taxi squad. And then also the taxi squad and, and the AHL roster, as we saw in the last couple of days with the Sharks and the Barracuda. Um, so in order to make sure everyone is in game shape, uh, they said you know what we're gonna have two games of san diego a game with ontario a couple of games of tucson a couple games in henderson and all those games are of course road games or were road games for the barracuda because just like the sharks they were trapped they were practicing in arizona in particular the barracuda were practicing in tucson obviously the sharks held their camp in phoenix Fien- oh, in glendale um but let's just kind of briefly recap what happened in the preseason. Kind of a mishmash, uh, but I think I think more positives than negatives here. So it started off with a five-one loss against San Diego. Um, that one was bad. That was just a bad game. Uh, first game, whatever. All the you know the results don't really matter. It's just a, ma- a matter of conditioning and getting your timing back in in actual game shape. Um, but for the Barracuda, this was a rough one. Uh, this was a game that the San Diego goals put on their YouTube account so good on San Diego I know that they really do a great job of uh, exposing their brand to their fans and really putting themselves out there they market they're one of the best marketing teams in this whole league in all of minor league hockey so I commend San Diego for obviously having the means and uh taking the initiative to show this game on youtube uh which worked out very well for uh the goals fans not so much for the barracuda fans um unfortunately the very next game i don't know what happened the very next game against san diego was supposed to also be broadcast it was not and of course the san jose barracuda won four to one in a game that they were two minutes and 22 seconds away from getting a four nothing shutout before sam carrick ruined that um so that would have been a really good game for us the barracuda fan faithful faithful fans whatever we're called you know kuda love um that would have been a game that we could watch uh the rest of the preseason schedule was has not been on AHL TV. It never was supposed to be. Uh preseason games for minor league hockey generally are not uh transmitted at all. Um but a couple of these games were available. Nick Nolenberger did commentary last couple games um on the Sharks Audio Network. So uh but now here I guess the preseason's over, so from here on out the AHL TV is is the way to go if you want to watch Barracuda games because there will be no fans in attendance throughout this season. Uh, that has not been officially announced, but for all intents and purposes, there will not be fans in, in the building this season. Um, from a financial standpoint, it really uh, saves on operating costs to not have fans in, in the building. Um, we saw that a few teams, Milwaukee, Springfield, and for the love of God, I am, uh, Charlotte, Milwaukee, Springfield, and Charlotte are not playing in this season uh, because they said the financial burden is just not worth it. Because no one can bring fans into the building. I would be shocked if any fans were allowed to AHL games this season. However, on the flip side of that, Scott Housen said earlier in the very, very long off season, I think this was during the fall, but Scott Housen was on the Around the A podcast, one you definitely should check out. Um, He was on there and he said originally, He thought only six teams could survive a season without fans in attendance. Um, Now, that obviously has changed. I think part of that was only six teams could survive without uh, uh, a full 76-game schedule without fans. These schedules for this season are very abbreviated. Um, In some cases, they are less than half of a normal schedule. I am really jumping ahead here. but um, uh, I'll be I'll be surprised if there are fans in the building at all this season and I have uh, been told that San Jose Barracuda season ticket holders have already been uh, notified within this past week that their the money that has been paid for season tickets has been deferred to 21 22 um, so the following season I do know that the Sharks season ticket holders have already been informed of that. Sharks 365 season ticket holders were informed of this weeks ago. And uh, it was only a matter of time, in my opinion, for it to happen with the Barracuda fans. Um, So it's an unfortunate situation there, of course, because we would all love to be back watching hockey. But you have a situation last night where it turns out someone has had the virus who was in the building. So you don't want to be exposed. plexiglass or not between fans or players or whatever you don't want to potentially expose a wide mass of people to the virus so um, as much as we would love for things you know I would love to win a million dollars I would love to have not sold my GameStop stock way too early in this whole game I would love But then there's a practical situation to all of this so we you know sometimes we don't get what we want I wanted to have this show on 12 months ago uh, but I had a lot going on in the world so uh, things happen and we just have to adapt and adjust and um, things will return to normal so it's it's a long game it's a long game and Heck, that's the name of the AHL. I know I'm ranting, but hang on a sec. I'm almost done. That's the long game of the AHL, right? You know, you've got players. I would love for Jaden Halbgawax or Joachim Blickfeld to be NHL ready. But they're not. That's why they're in the AHL right now. And Joachim Blickfeld, okay, actually, you know what? Let's get to that. Joachim Blickfeld's having a very good preseason for for the CUDA right now. He has three goals. Um, I'm not sure how many games he's played, but I would reckon it's about four. So it's a pretty good pace for Blickfeld here. He was the lone AHL all-star for the Barracuda last season. So I would love for him to be on the Barracuda this, or on the Sharks this season. but it's a long game. Let's be patient here. That's the whole point of the AHL. So it's the same thing for me with with fans in the building. Let's be patient, let's be responsible. Let's, I don't have a mask on me right this moment, but let's wear a mask. Um, let's not be selfish here. Let's just roll with the times and, and the less we complain about, oh, this should happen and that, yeah, things should happen, but they're not because, you know, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Actually, I'm not going to finish that statement. So, um, but let, let's get back to business here as far as the rest of the preseason goes here. So after those two games against San Diego, the CUDA lost a very close game in shootout to Ontario. Jaden Hobgawaks got the tying goal, um, but the rain scored in all three shoot, uh, shootout attempts against Yosef Um Yosef Coronash uh, 0-2 to start the preseason there. He was in that in net for the loss against san diego and then the shootout loss against ontario versus tryout goalie sam harvey i think it's harvey i don't think it's harvey but i know that when harvey uh, harvey was playing in juniors there was another player who i think that was the harvey harvey pinard um but i i we'll, we'll see it may not matter because he is a tryout goalie um, but he won a Memorial cup with, uh, as the starting goalie for ruin Miranda, which of course, sharks prospect, Zach Amond was his backup. And I think that's where the Sharks said, you know what kid Harvey, you're not, uh, there's no college season going on right now because he, he was last playing in, in Canadian college in the, uh, I forget what it's called now. U sports, I believe, um, university sports. So he was playing up there, or at least was before the pandemic, so he got a tryout, came a little over two minutes away from getting a shutout in his first game, so that's that's positive. Um, I do not believe he played any game since then. Um, the game after Ontario was against Tucson, uh, which uh, obviously are, are confines that the Barracuda are very familiar with, and what a performance by this team. A, third period three goal comeback after being down three to one the barracuda eked it out and won four to three on a nick to simone goal with about 24 seconds left um and i should also mention earlier uh in the preseason curtis gabriel of all players had two goals for the kudos so that that was a positive two goals and two fights so uh but yeah nick to simone with a a big goal there. You'd like to see some more offense coming from him this season because last season was a rough go. I think part of what happened with DeSimone is I think the Sharks uh, were having him develop more on the defensive side of the game. And that was at the sacrifice of some of his offense because if I'm not mistaken, I don't think it was until around this time last year that Nick DeSimone scored his first goal of the season. And and I actually think he scored in back-to-back games after that. So, um, But hopefully we'll see some more offense and, and improved de- uh, defense out of DeSimone uh, because he does have one year left. It was a, a one-year re-signing as an RFA for him. So it's kind of now or never. Um, but uh, then we get into the Henderson games, a really bad seven to one, seven to three loss. Might as well have been seven to one loss against Henderson in their debut game. Uh, the Barracuda, with Rudy Balsers on conditioning, uh, scored only about two minutes in. Balsers set up Alex True for a goal. Uh, so welcome back, Rudy. But then that second period, the Barracuda gave up, I believe it was five goals to the Silver Knights, and it eventually became a 7-1 game. Uh, but then Ryan Merkley got a goal. Apparently it was a very nice goal. Again, these games aren't broadcast on TV or on, on the web, So, but I heard it was a very nice goal. And then Zach Gallant, who was a uh, prospect that the Sharks signed last year away from the Tr- Detroit Red Wings, who let him go. Zach Gallant scored a goal I- in garbage time. So that was a seven to three loss. And then of course, as I've talked as n- ad nauseum, the Barracuda, I guess technically lost one to nothing yesterday uh, against Henderson. Saturday against Henderson. So that's the preseason wrap there. Um, so as i mentioned blickfeld three goals uh looking good so far jaden hobgawox has a couple of goals and then it's kind of the the scoring's kind of spread out so far but all in all i think the preseason has been pretty good uh even though the record i think technically is two three oh and one i'll never figure out why overtime losses and shootout losses are split officially in the standings when there's not really a tiebreaker ramification there. There is, but it's like way, way down the deep in the order. So uh, for all intents and purposes, it's two, three, and one. Um, but not bad, not bad. Um, I think I think there are positives. Um, since this show is already getting pretty long, because I try to keep these about half every half hour, twenty to thirty minutes, and we're already almost to forty minutes here. Um, I would like to save the roster breakdown for our next show, which might very well be later in the week. I was was talking with Nick uh, last night, even though uh, obviously he could not be on the show with me today, but uh, I was speaking with Nick and he does want to get a get going on on this show with us so that's always exciting news great having nick on he brings so much insight to these shows as you probably have seen over the last uh, four or five that we did um and i'll also give a a quick uh plug for nick's podcast on the official the official san jose barracuda podcast which is cuda confidential Uh, last i heard obviously before this sudden crazy situation that has developed over the last 14 to 16 hours. Um, Cuda Confidential is scheduled to come out on Monday, a full hour show. Um, So I'm really looking forward to listening to that. There will be a little bit of changes with the show. Uh, Joey Goldstein is no longer with the Barracuda, um, so he won't be there. As far as I know, it will be Nick doing the show solo. Um, just as I'm doing this show solo today, um, but uh, he's going to have player interviews, which is is always good to see, and that should be available to my knowledge on the Sharks Audio Network. Um, I'm gonna ask you folks who are out there watching, listening right now, um, have you had a look at the San Jose, uh, the Sharks Audio Network? Because I know that it's supposed to work on the. Sharks mobile app, the Sharks and SAP Center mobile app. I have not found anything about the audio network on there. Now, if you do a Google search, you can find it. Um, It's still in its infancy, and I'm, I'm sure they're still working out the kinks because I think games are supposed to be available on demand, and I have not seen that. I know that there is an interview with John McCarthy that is available on demand. That was a pretty good interview talking just kind of a retrospective uh, of, of McCarthy's playing career, uh, what it was like to join the sharks and and be a part of the organization and uh, and talked about his his best moments of his career. I always uh, laugh every year when I use uh, the time hop app because uh, I tweeted many years ago about oh I saw John McCarthy's one one NHL point this season in person and then like, few days later, it comes back up the uh, the reminder, I saw John McCarthy's two, all two points he scored. So, obviously not an offensively prolific uh, score in the NHL, but a, a solid AHL career and now a part of the coaching staff. So, um, but yeah, uh, definitely stick to the Sharks Audio Network. Um, you can follow Nick at Nick Nolan, N-O-L-L-E-N and of course the San Jose Barracuda Twitter, and of course, at Teal Town USA. go ahead and subscribe. Um, so I do want to talk about some roster changes that happened this week, though, real quick before, before we head out, because I'm pretty sure this is going to be an hour-long show. Uh, but Trevor Carrick and Tom Gregoire are no longer with the team. Uh, Tom Gregoire, I'll I'll start with the latter first. He signed uh, yesterday, sorry, Saturday. I think we're going to have to do a drinking game uh, when I do these pre-recordings because uh, whenever I say Saturday, you might be listening to this on a Tuesday. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But on Saturday, Tom Gregoire uh, ended his relationship with the Barracuda. He was signed to a minor league contract, an AHL contract, for three years. This was to be his third year of the contract, and he did play in at least one preseason game for the Cuda. Uh, But he has joined Roman Luko, which uh, it's Luko Roma, but the way Finland organizes their uh, their words. It can go either or. So the city is Roma, but the team name is Luco. So it if it's sort of Luco Roma, which is, you wouldn't say Sharks San Jose, but in, in Finnish you would. Um, but Whenever you, sorry. Now all of a sudden it's gone from uh, in the reef to learn the Finnish language with Kevin Lacey. So um, I'm not going to bust out my Finland jersey right now, by the way. Uh, but uh, the it can be presented in an inverse if you add an N, so it's Roman Luco. Anyway, Tom Gregoire, who was actually led the Barracuda in points. Uh, among blue liners last season, a mobile defenseman. I thought a very steady defenseman. Um, not very big, um, but I, I thought he hung in there pretty well. Pretty tenacious player. So a player that I actually expected the Sharks to sign after last season to a player contract, but it obviously never happened. And given that the Sharks over the last, especially this year, but even going back to last season they've just been gobbling up talent and trying to see what sticks. Um, Now's a good time to bring up my Barracuda depth chart. Um, And I will go more into this uh, on the next show for sure. But as you can see, there are 18 forwards, and that's not including some of the taxi squad players because uh, once sharks start playing games again i am expecting most of the taxi squad players to be recalled i wouldn't doubt if frederick hondemark gets a couple of games with the barracuda because he is waiver exempt and that's how he was able to be assigned um but a player like john leonard might get in um so on and so forth but i'm expecting most of them to be recalled Um, but as you can see, like I mentioned, 18 forwards right now in Barracuda camp, not including Manny Wieter, who to my understanding is not with the German team that he was loaned to, uh, while we were waiting to see this team return to action. Um, I, I am, what I've been told is he is not in Germany but I have not heard of him rejoining with the Barracuda either. So I don't know his situation. I did ask Nick and he didn't know either at the time. Um, But moving on to defense, uh, there's a couple guys who are not listed here, like Nick Malosh um, and Brinson Pashnuk. But even without Tom Gregoire, the barracuda oh and i don't even have Chaz reddikop on this list who is also on tryout right now now i do have robbie russo here and and it's kind of uh we'll transition to that but tom gregoire uh probably said hey i'm not getting a whole lot of ice time here and there's not a whole lot of opportunity at this point to move to get a contract with the Sharks." so he goes to Finland, where I think he could be a very, very reliable player in that league. Um, again, he's not overly skilled offensively. He's not a big player. He's not too physical, but he is tenacious, and I think he's a very smart player. So um, it, is a, it is a loss, but Robbie Russo comes in here, uh, former Calder Cup champion with the the Grand Rapids Griffins, who the Barracuda a couple of seasons ago lost in the conference finals to, uh, on, on their cup run. So Robbie Russo, he is currently on PTO, but I have him on this list because I cannot imagine that the Barracuda do not sign him. He is, um, to me, he is Gregoire plus, um, and the plus being he's more experienced and he, uh, has been a top pair defenseman for the Griffins in the past, so uh, I love the I love the pickup if it ends up uh, going through. Um, and then the goalie situation here real quick. I mentioned Yosef Koronash had a couple of losses in the preseason, uh, but then nevertheless got recalled to the Barracuda. You're going to see a platoon, a, a taxi squad platoon, if you could believe it or not, between Alexei Melnichuk and Yosef Koronash So right now it's Melnichuk's turn, and he played on Saturday uh, before the game halted early. Um, Melnichuk needs some time to actually play as well because he the Saturday game was his first actual game of uh, experience, even though preseason, uh, in North America. So he did play earlier in the season in the KHL and put up decent but unspectacular numbers. But at a very young age, it is impressive that he was getting starts uh, in the KHL. So uh, I think that Melnichuk, once things settle down, I think more than less. Melnichuk will be on the taxi squad, but I have all three Barracuda goalies listed here because um, you're going to see all three play this season for the Barracuda. Um, But we'll we'll dive into all that later. Um, The other defenseman that is no longer on this list is Trevor Carrick. And Trevor Carrick was traded earlier in the week in a three-team trade. You rarely ever see them Um, And you really rarely ever see them in the AHL, although officially it is an NHL trade. But it's Trevor Carrick being traded to the Anaheim Ducks where he will join his brother Sam Carrick in San Diego. Uh, Technically for these three team trades, it's two trades lumped together, uh, which is why I'll say He was traded for Jack Kopaka officially. Now, Kopaka scored against the Barracuda in the first preseason game and is a player who hasn't really stood out in the Ducks organization. And I think that's why they were willing to let him go because the Ducks are littered with uh, high-talent forward prospects. Um, And when we get into the next show, we're going to talk about the relationship between the ahl and juniors because that is uh ever-changing um but right now the gulls have a lot they're loaded in offensive talent and so they kopaka was expendable for them now with the barracuda the fact that the barracuda and the sharks have uh gathered up so many forwards and 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 defensemen too but so many forwards that i and seeing what sticks I kind of would have liked to have seen Jack Kopaka in this organization because I think he's a he's a very fast player he's got a great shot in fact I think he's kind of like a Joachim Blickfeld um but the Sharks decided to officially move him to Ottawa along with a 2022 seventh round pick for Christian Yarosh. Now, Yarosh is a big defenseman, a bigger defenseman than Trevor Carrick, a little bit more physical, definitely not as offensively talented as Trevor Carrick. But I think with Carrick, Carrick was like a jack of all trades type of guy, which is I think that's why I really like Trevor Carrick. I know not every He's not everyone's cup of tea. I really like Trevor Carrick. Um, but he got a cup of coffee with the Sharks last season and didn't really impress and then he ha- really had an opportunity to be on the taxi squad this year. And it, I would assume he didn't impress again because he was sent to, the, he was waived and sent to the Barracuda. Um, so he would have been probably uh, a top four defenseman for this team this year. I assume he would have been with DeSimone to start the year. But um He was traded. Christian Yarosh comes in. I did not have him on the list that I showed you earlier. One, because I don't know what his jersey number is going to be yet. But um, I also expect him to be on the taxi squad here once players start uh, reshuffling uh, probably in about a week or so. Um, I think if anyone sticks, it will be Jake Middleton. Um, and I think Yarosh will get the call up. But Yarosh is a, a, again a big defenseman. He's somewhat physical, although there's a little bit of debate about that. Um, I don't think he's as physical as you would expect a six foot four defenseman to be. Um, and he's, for fun fact, he's a cousin of Eric Chernak, who is a very physical six foot four defenseman who just won a cup in Tampa Bay. So but Yaraj does bring something that the Sharks organization needs more of, which is physicality from the back end. So I'll be curious to see where he ends up, but the Sharks definitely obviously look at him as having a brighter future than Trevor Carrick. But um, best of luck to Trevor he was the second leading defensive scorer for the CUDA last season. So the top two offensive blue liners on this team are now gone. But you do have Ryan Merkley, perhaps Nick Simone steps it up. Robbie Russo can chip in a few goals here or there. Um, but yeah, Merkley's going to definitely be the offensive force from the back end this season and, and uh, hope that he steps his game up defensively. So Um, Okay, so now that we're nearing the hour mark, I really need to speed this up. Although luckily I did jump around between a few topics here. Let's talk about the regular season schedule. As we know, uh, right now, as of recording, the Barracuda are scheduled to start the season in Tucson on the 5th. And that is officially a home game because of the stay at home orders that San Jose, uh, sorry Santa Clara County did have in place. Right now it's the purple tier and it seems like the Sharks are going to be allowed to play in San Jose, barring um, a, a drastic downturn in the situation. But for now the Barracuda will be playing in Tucson as the so-called home team against Tucson for three games. Friday the 5th, Saturday the 6th, and Monday the 8th. Definitely schedule to change. Uh, Following that, three games against Texas, then three more games in Tucson, and then it gets very, very hazy because when the schedule was announced, the Barracuda were given a 40-game schedule. The Pacific Division was slated to have many more games than what was in originally intended uh, or not intended but more games than expected um because most of the rest of the divisions were going to be around the 32 to 36 game range most of the pacific division teams were between 38 and 44 games and i thought that was odd at first but then later that day the day the schedule was announced later that day Darren Drager tweets that the Calgary Flames are likely relocating the Stockton Heat to Canada to avoid taxi squad issues and having to cross the border because the, the border is still closed between Canada and uh, the United States right now because of the virus. So it was going to cause a big hardship for the Flames, or at least the Flames viewed it that way. if they needed to call players up from Stockton to their taxi squad or to their main roster. So what timing the, because it's like only a couple hours earlier, a 40 game schedule comes out for Stockton and now what? So later on in the week, it, it was actually confirmed that the heat, Will be playing in Calgary this year. I don't know if they're going to have a, a name change because of this, or or if they're still going to be the 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 Stockton Heat of Calgary. I I don't know, but um, that whole situation is very weird. And how it relates to the Barracuda now is that they currently the Barracuda have gone from a forty game schedule to a thirty game schedule, and that's where I think that the pacific division was given the extra games because i think they thought in case this does end up happening it's still a little weird to me that you'd have a schedule before having this settled but um they did give themselves some leeway so now the calgary heat i guess uh have joined the northern division and let's just kind of break down the divisions here real quick um before uh, getting it back to um kuda talk here so there are five divisions this year and the most peculiar one is the atlantic division which is three which are three teams bridgeport hartford and providence so the two the the two connecticut teams and the rhode island team are in their own division Um, I believe that's for 32 games let me double check that real quick here but um, that that one's super oh that's a 26 game division so that that makes sense so that's gonna kind of get old real quick I think but uh, 13 and 13 against the your two other opponents if you're a team in that division the Canadian division now consists of Belleville Laval Manitoba Toronto and Calgary and Manitoba has to be the happiest about this because they, uh, in a normal season, they have to travel a long way to Iowa and to Rockford and Chicago, and those aren't the worst. They they aren't as long of a trip as, say, traveling to Texas or the former San Antonio. But uh, Calgary is definitely an easier trip for Manitoba, and especially given that uh, it's an all-Canadian division, those were going to be long trips to Toronto, Laval, and Belleville for the Moose. So uh, now having Calgary there, uh, the Jets must be thrilled <laughs> and, uh, and and then at the same time the, the Flames are thrilled because they're able to join that five-team division. The largest division is the North Division and that consists of Binghamton, Hershey, Lehigh Valley, Rochester, Syracuse, Utica, and Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. Uh, The Central Division has six teams, Chicago, Cleveland, Grand Rapids, Iowa, Rockford, and Texas. So that's a little bit tough for Texas in the same way that Minnesota had it, Um, but that's them's the breaks, I guess. And then, of course, the Pacific Division has Bakersfield. Colorado, I was a little curious to see where Colorado... Uh, Would lie because of the brand new team Henderson the silver Knights joining the fold and then of course, Ontario San Diego and our San Jose Barracuda Um, Bakersfield by the way uh, Obviously their affiliate or maybe not obvious to you. Maybe this is all new news to you And thank you for watching if it is please subscribe Um, the Bakersfield condors are affiliated with the Edmonton Oilers and Bakersfield uh, Edmonton has said we are not moving our affiliate this season. Like we are fine with them in Baker's, Bakersfield, We will just uh, continue to move forward. So don't worry. I know uh, I saw a couple of tweets about what's their situation. There is, there's no bones about it. Bakersfield is a team in the AHL this season. Um, there's no question. Uh, the, uh, last thing I should, Oh, man, I really wanted to discuss this, but for time, I I won't. But apparently, the Stockton Heat, many, many team members with the Heat were not even told that um, their team will not be playing in Stockton this year. Um, Even as far as being, receiving emails, I think as as, as, uh, soon as this past Friday, uh, receiving emails about when Stockton uh, plays this season. So there's a lot of miscommunication in that organization, unfortunately, right now. Um, when, and I think that's where you get into a situation where Darren Drager's tweeting the exact opposite of what the AHL had put out earlier that day is the heat are being told continue operations. And then the flames are saying, Oh yeah by the way we moved your team uh, sorry sorry you found out on Twitter we didn't even bother to email you um, and that information I do want to just mention because uh, I need to credit this person for that I believe it's Scott Leinberg yeah Scott Leinberg who is an excellent beat writer for the heat um yeah uh, that he he put out a few articles saying, a lot of turmoil in that organization. And there has been turmoil in general over the last couple of years, because we have wondered about the long term aspects of the Stockton heat, Uh, their contract ended with uh, the city of Stockton um, last year. And before the 1920 season, Calgary said we are not renewing our lease or officially what they said was we are not Enacting our option to renew our lease. Now they did sign that one-year extension uh, to play in Stockton this year, but I think it was more of uh, because of the coronavirus uncertainty, they didn't know if they could commit to a full full-time relocation. Um, so for me, this is the that's abbreviated abbreviated version. I could get into so much more, but. I think we have seen the Stockton heat for the very last time. I do not think they will ever return. Now the city of Stockton is still trying to negotiate this and and keep the team there, or perhaps keep a team there. I don't know what's going on, uh, on those, those closed door situations there, but my personal opinion is we've seen the Stockton heat for the last time. And that stinks for the Barracuda since they are geographically our closest rival, um, I already sorry uh just looking oh yeah all right so what i want to wrap up the show here today with is the arena situation with the barracuda the san jose barracuda are moving to solar for america ice or i'm sure it's going to have a different name but a rink is being built it at solar for america ice the shark's practice facility and uh some we've got some photos here Um, i'm going to show you here this tweet from jonathan becker i thought this was pretty cool jonathan becker tweeted the kind of a month by month up visual update of the lot that the rink is being built on and it doesn't look like a whole lot uh you know so far um but i'm sure there are also other precautions that need to be taking place during construction here, but you can see some differences between October and January. Now uh, the concrete, according you know according to this photo from Solar for America Ice on Twitter, the concrete was poured on January 21st, so that's an exciting step then we had a lot of rain finally thankfully a lot of rain in this past week so as a lot of people were joking about on twitter it's now a giant pond where actual barracuda could swim in as opposed to the frozen pond that the barracuda play on so um yeah we'll have to wait for that to dry out i'm sure i'm sure uh it, it, nothing should be delayed but just kind of a funny photo uh, as far as the update from that rink but again this arena is scheduled to open in 2022 for the 22-23 season so still a long ways away from from that happening but there is some progression on the arena so uh thank you all for this very long uh double time show this is what happens when you don't have a show for 13 months and again i apologize thank you for sticking with us here and of course at teal town usa on twitter uh, is where you can find a lot of different updates about the team about Uh, This show, but we have a lot of other content for you here Of course, there are the After Dark podcasts that happen after every Sharks game Although there's obviously now a little bit of delay because a couple games got cancelled But Pucknologists airs every Sunday on the Teal Town USA channel And of course, there are a lot of fantastic interviews There was recently the interview with uh, Drew Remenda I say uh like who's that guy drew ramenda you've you may have heard of him randy hahn interviewed ted ramey interviewed we tried to get an interview with sj Sharkey because he did turn i believe it was 29 years old am i right on no that doesn't sound right i read a tweet that said 29 years old that's uh, i think he's 20s anyway he just had a birthday a few days ago we tried to get an interview for him But um, the audio didn't pick up for whatever reason. So um, unfortunately, we we couldn't post that. Um, But there's a lot of great content on the Teal Town USA YouTube channel, as well as SoundCloud, iTunes, your favorite podcatcher. And of course, follow us on social media. I already mentioned Twitter, but we're on Reddit. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram uh, and many other social media platforms. So definitely check us out. I'm at KevinLacy22. And again, for Nick Nolenberger, he will be putting out a new episode of Cuda Confidential, I believe on Monday, barring any uh, delays. So be sure to check that out. Um, two more things here real quick as I wrap up. One, on a personal note, my grandmother turns 100 years old on Monday. So happy birthday, Grandma. Uh, it's been a rough go the last couple of years. And, and right now, Um, because of the pandemic um, we won't we'll be able to see her tomorrow but we won't really be able to visit her uh, where she lives Um, so we're we're gonna kind of do a walk by happy birthday celebration tomorrow Um, but yeah so happy birthday to my grandmother who turns 100 years old and on a sadder note uh, I do want to uh, extend my well wishes to the family of Dick Callahan. Dick Callahan was the stadium voice of the Oakland Athletics. I'm a Giants fan, uh, but I loved going to the the Oakland Coliseum and listening to Dick Callahan. As you may know, a lot of you know, and some you may know, uh, I used to do some announcing. I did audition for the San Jose Barracuda. Uh, right at the start for an audition that was fabulous, loved it, loved that experience. Um, so I definitely uh, have my eye on other PA announcers and I thought Dick Callahan was great. He would fill in for Danny Miller, who was the Sharks PA announcer from time to time when Danny had other obligations with say the Niners or the uh, the earthquakes or something called the Olympics, you know, no big deal. Uh, but Dick Callahan would fill in. I thought he sounded really good. Even, even as a sharks announcer, he's got, he had that voice. He had that nice deep voice no batting. Uh, I just, I love that. So, um, you know, we're, we're saddened to hear that he passed away and, um, my thoughts are with the Callahan family. So, uh, sorry to end this on a down note, but on an upturn, we're back here in the reef. Thank you for joining. And again, subscribe, send, uh, Ding that bell for your alerts, and we'll see you next time in the reef.